you are listening to a yodakin podcast hi everyone uh, we're really happy uh, to have you all back on our podcast series today because we are on the verge of launching a wonderful new novel uh, part of the yoda press fiction series and it is by a debutant novelist called bhashwati ghosh hello bhashwati it's lovely to have you here today hello arpita it's uh, really lovely to uh, have a chat with you after all this while and uh, thank you so much for the kind words so how is uh, lockdown going on for you there or is it even called a lockdown there i'm not sure no it's it's neither called a lockdown nor a shelter in place as uh, over here they only have issued an emergency which means there are restrictions for people meeting uh, in in large numbers and so on but there is no there are no strict prohibitory orders as such so right. uh, and everybody listens to you know the prescriptions that are given by the authorities so uh, yeah. so far the situation has been quite well managed i would say right and everybody is wearing masks and you're all maintaining social distancing and all of that absolutely it's it's a, such a contrast from our neighbors down south right. uh, yeah but they are really two different countries and cultures we come to realize right no it's uh, you know the what amazes me and astounds me and of course it's cliche in a sense is that for the first time at least in my lifetime um perhaps even my mother's lifetime uh, we are sitting across continents and all of us are having the exact same experience we're all living the exact same uh moment almost and um i just i don't know if the human race has ever faced it like this before yeah i, I... completely agree with you i mean because of technology now we are experiencing all this in real time i know what's going on in delhi where my family is uh, you know mohali where my father in law lives and and yeah. everywhere right all across the world it's uncanny mm-hmm. how 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 closely connected we are now yeah it is uncanny absurd closely connected and having the same experience sitting so far away from each other um and uh, and and perhaps also then an ideal time for a book like this to be launched to transport readers to an entirely different time uh and space um albeit not free of crises um bashati your book which you have titled victory colony 1950 and we are, we were very very happy to retain the title i was wondering if you could give our uh, listeners a sense of the 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 premise uh, without giving away too much of the plot and introduce them to the characters of the novel yeah so i i feel like uh, the premise came to me uh, in an indirect way uh, i was uh, you know i was in the process of typing out a few short stories that my grandmother had written and she 
wrote in Bangla. So, uh, so all her uh, all her work is you know handwritten, which now needs to be collected and typed to be sent to a publisher if you wanted to. So I was in the process of doing that, and I came across this short story which which had one character that uh, you know was crossing over at the time of partition, uh, crossing over to India. But what drew me about that character was it was not one of the familiar uh, to us, at least middle class or upper, upper middle class characters. Uh, mm. That is, you know, our milieu. But this was a woman from the lower economic strata of mm. the society. And, uh, and the story ended very tragically, that, that particular story. So I was uh, both, you know, kind of shocked and jolted out of my comfort zone uh, because we had grown up listening to a lot of partition stories and my own grandparents' uh, story accounts. But, but we had no idea about, you know, how people from the poorest sections uh, dealt with it or, you know, how it affected them. And that's when I wanted to write the story of such a woman and, you know, what happens to her life uh, after, you know, she is thrown into this fire. She has no part in making, but she has to deal with. So I think that is how it uh, kind of came about. And I also wanted to talk about, you know, the resilience of such people because I don't think even though it's based in a certain point in history and time, I don't think such instances are too unfamiliar. We see, you know, the migrant workers crisis, and we see resilience right. uh, that that people show every single day. You, uh, I mean, unbelievable stories have come out of, of the recent uh, migrant uh, laborer crisis in India, where you right. saw them walking with their pets that they couldn't leave behind, where they had to walk for thousands of kilometers and miles and had no food, no water, but they didn't, they couldn't leave their pets behind. So, uh, so the kind of resilience, kindness, uh, and generosity that you see in people despite their circumstances, that was the story I wanted to tell. So I think that is what kind of give me the basis or the foundation for this. Right. So, of course, it, the story is set in the aftermath of the Indian partition. But uh, what is again interesting to a lot of readers, particularly non-Bengali readers, um, I think, is the fact that a lot of partition stories have been located in the west, the northwest of the country. And here we are talking about the aftermath of partition in the East, uh, you know, which are stories, which, which has had its own stories that us, you and I being Bengali, we are familiar with. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole swathe of readers who have not actually read so many stories about partition coming from the East, mm -hmm. um, which makes it particularly interesting to them, I think. Um, was this something you you were thinking about uh, when when you were writing, beginning to write your manuscript? Absolutely, I think that's a very good point that you raise. Uh, and this this has been one of the 
I wouldn't call it a grudge, but it it was one of the uh, you know complaints that I I heard my grandmother often talk about that you know uh, the partition of the East is often slighted and it's uh, it's it's not spoken about and it's minimized in in relation to the partition that happened in the West. Uh, a part of it is because of you know how it all unfolded on on the two sides. One side saw huge carnage and bloodshed and and uh, massive loss of life, uh, and yeah. where, where on the east there was not a comparable amount of bloodshed and and human loss of lives, but there was an equal amount of uh, loss of property and belongings and. And the and the complete uh, you know wiping out of your memories and not not wiping out but them being taken away from you and you have uh, no way of going back to that place again. So there was this aching sense of loss that I saw in my grandmother all her life that that she could never get out of. She worked in the rehabilitation ministry in Delhi which was entrusted with rehabilitating refugees uh, you know from from east uh, east what was east pakistan at one, yeah. at that point and then became bangladesh but but even then uh, she could just not erase and if someone were to tell me that you know there i i wouldn't be able to go back to delhi ever again or you know that mm. that that channel is closed for me forever i don't know how I'd be able to cope with that. That is something yeah. unthinkable. So for for that to happen, for you to be transported to a completely different geography, climate, people, hmm. language, you know, that's that is really displacement at its worst, where you have absolutely nothing that connects you to to your birthplace or where you came from, and you don't even have the possibility of going back. So I thought I, I I realized that the tragedy was no less simply because you had not lost family members or because the trauma of it was not violence ridden and there was not so much of blood that you saw. Uh, so the stories still you know were compelling enough that they needed to be told and uh, yes that was. It was very conscious for me to to tell this side of the story. Right. Uh, at the center of the story, of course, is the woman that you that you referred to when you were speaking earlier, whom you've called Amula, and um, and um, what, of course, was very very charming for me um, uh, when I was editing the manuscript. Well, actually, I when I first read it and then, you know, when I was then editing it and then I read it again, one of the most charming things about the manuscript is that how you um, have these sort of parallel strands of what is unfolding around her and what is unfolding within her, uh, sort of, uh, you know, at points intermingling, at points like parallel streams, uh, going right through the story. And I love that balance that you maintain. Uh, tell us a little more about Amula. 
Yeah, so uh, I, just to give a bit of a background to the name itself, uh, Amula, the name came to me from a lady who used to help us, uh, you know, in, in our Delhi house. And she mm -hmm. had uh, roots back in East Bengal. So uh, I found her very charming because she was one of the very few uh, domestic uh, help uh, that we had who spoke mm -hmm. the tongue that my grandmother spoke. I, I found that uh, really charming. And so that is where I got the name from. But, but the Omola of Victory Colony, uh, 1950, uh, is this person who has been hurled into this crisis uh, situation, which is not of her own making. And uh, she doesn't know what to do with, but she has to get past it and get through it. And uh, there is there is crisis within crisis in in her case, and and, and she uh, there is absolutely no uh, no time for even grieving or you know even what we call processing trauma or any of that. She just has to get through with each day uh, because yeah. she has a fresh crisis that she must find a resolution to. So uh, that kind of drives her. Some of the circumstance itself propels her towards the things that she does or the person she becomes. But a lot of it is ingrained and, uh, and comes from being a person close to the earth and you know, who has seen uh, a lot of hardship already and, uh, and, 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 can, and has the ability and the strength to cope with it. So, uh, so I guess uh, that was something uh, fundamental for me for this character, and uh, and yeah, so it's it's just her responding to situations as they come up, but also drawing from her inner well of strength, uh, you know, that she has been endowed with, and that that is where what you call that, you know, what is unfolding within her. That is yeah. where that part sustains because um, this is what I saw in my grandmother also that, you know, it was uh, ultimately it, was, it were the memories that kind of helped them, you know, uh, find some balance because their reality was so far removed and so starkly different from, you know, what their memories had been that right. they ha had to go back within uh, and, 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 you know, recall those stories again and again uh, to find some source of sustenance and strength. Right. Uh, one of the things I was wondering when you were just speaking about the real Omola um, on whom you based the fictional Omola, you were talking about the tongue that she spoke, which was the same dialect or language that your grandmother spoke. And um, I, throughout the time that I was working on this manuscript, I was struck by this particular flavor of the local that you um, have been able to sustain right through the narrative. It's sometimes to do with using the original Bangla words. It's sometimes to do with showing, uh, describing in great um, intricate detail, how certain foods were cooked, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just a certain lilt in the tonality. Uh, mm-hmm. It was almost as if I was um, hearing being Bangali, I was hearing it in my head in Bangla, even as I was reading it in English on paper. Was this something very deliberate on your part? Was this a device? Do you feel you would write a different book very differently? Yeah, I think in in the initial chapters, it was uh, deliberate where I wanted to establish Amula's character especially. Uh, you know, where she came from, because the problem is when you write in English, you lose the dialect aspect yes. of, of a language. It, it's yes. in English, it's the same English. So, um, so I, I wanted to infuse at least some of that to show, you know, where she was coming from. But I think as the book progressed, uh, all, all this became more unconscious and it sort of just seeped into being part of the environment that that one was writing about so it not not all of it was deliberate and i did not go back and edit parts to make it sound more bengali like i think uh, most of it came out in in the draft itself and so i think it was not always something i was consciously thinking about but i think it was the influence of the of the environment itself. So yeah, if I were to write a different book set in a different time and different context, yes. I would write it differently uh, for right. sure. Right. So would you like to give our readers a little, just a little taste of what we are talking about here? Do you have a little passage you might want to read? I can read uh, a small passage. Standing by the window of his room, Manush looked at a pair of sparrows on the betel nut tree outside. The avian couple had busied itself foraging for a late morning breakfast. Their task had been made easier by the scraps of leftovers Manush's mother had had her maid distribute for the larger fraternity of the neighborhood birds. As he witnessed their frisky movements, Manush recalled the afternoon he had brought Amula to Chitra's house. Now, a week later, it amused him to think of the embarrassment he had caused himself that day. Amula had kept her curiosity in check. Her lack of inquisitiveness only added to Manush's frustration. Why doesn't she ask me about it? That would make things simpler, wouldn't it? Instead, he babbled how delicious the fish curry was. The taxi driver had turned out to be such an interesting character, what with his Bihari accent that he, w- he should indeed have taken two boxes of sweets, as Rani suggested. That girl is way smarter than me. 20 minutes later, when Chitra entered the room with Pan for them, she found Manush browsing through a magazine and Amula staring at a wall. When Manush looked at Chitra, she winked at him. He shook his head hopelessly. Chitra smiled and turned to Amula to offer her a Pan. As she put it into her mouth, Chitra asked him, how did you like the food? Bhalo, Amula said. Nice it was. I know a Bangal girl like you wouldn't probably relish the food us Khotis make. But what to do, Ma? I know no better. Why? It was nice, Mashi. A bit different, but still delicious. 
you have a shona mukh you like everything but tell me something will you cook for me some day why not mashi for you i will cook the things my mother used to make but you'll have to eat even if you don't like them ha huh? the mischief in omula's tone relieved manush as if she had just given him grace marks for his pathetic attempt at a conversation oh that's lovely i love that part and of course you've given away to the listeners that there is also romance at the heart of the story just as well <laughs> <laughs> there is yeah there's something going on i guess yeah yeah absolutely and manush is also such a lovely character so carefully delineated um and so different from momula of course um but lovingly delineated i i really enjoyed reading that character thank you so much i that that was tough for me to write because uh, again he belongs to a class that i don't myself belong to so uh, it was sort of difficult to imagine and also set in a different time so yeah so yeah. done a great job with that really and i know i know what you're saying about belonging to a different milieu and space and time um but i think you've done a really uh, wonderful job with manush and so much of manush's inner uh, travels which you have also carried right through the narrative in in those notebook entries speak to us today isn't it yeah yeah i think a lot of that is as i said you know the 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 history changes but it remains more it also stays the same in so many different ways uh, the the politics and the politicians change but the human condition i guess it doesn't change at all and and the the way the human mind works that is not something that that is going to change even with technology or indeed absolutely um before we sign off parshati i want to ask you is there something new you're working on i'm currently working on a non fiction book uh, but i have started I've begun to think about writing another book of fiction. It's it's a very nascent thought, so it's it's not even a concept or 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 a plot or anything like that. But it's it's just a thought that has. I, I guess that is where it starts. It starts with that exactly. seed of idea, and then then it Absolutely. develops. And how do you manage it? Do you work at night? I mean, I know you hold a day job, so yeah. do you write all night? yeah so when i am not a very disciplined writer in that sense that i i cannot uh, i cannot claim that i you know commit to writing every single day as, as many writers do but but when i have a project that i'm working on when i have something like this book that i worked on then i will commit to writing every day and and it would be after work of, of course and also at lunch time uh, so whenever yeah. i basically could grab a few moment few minutes i would write a few words that's how i do it right right well it's been really lovely talking to you varshati and all the best with the new projects as well and we are really excited to launch the book uh, which we are hoping 
to have out, of course, in these absolutely absurd times, but available on Amazon and hopefully in local bookstores by the end of this month or early next month at the latest. And it's for, for, the, for listeners, what I would say, what I would add is that it's a really gentle narrative. Uh, with a lot of power worked in and it you know completely charmed me with this with that gentle sort of voice uh, even as it was socking me in my gut with all the power that it holds and I think it's such a fabulous read particularly for these difficult times that we're in um, to be able to envisage uh, difficult times of another time, uh, experienced by other people, uh, you know, in another place, and and to discover that resilience that Parshati spoke so eloquently about, I think could be a real gift in these times. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Parshati, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, hope to see you sometime after all of this ends. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.